Happened to Me, a rare disease and medical challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is, how do we adapt? That's the focus of It Happened to Me. We help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, hosts Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you. Welcome, Pat Gibalesco. Pat is patient advocacy liaison for the Snow Foundation for Wolfram Research. Pat is co-founder of the first Wolfram Syndrome website and family support group, which launched in 1998 when her 12-year-old daughter, Lauren, was first diagnosed with Wolfram Syndrome. Lauren passed in 2021 in her mid-30s, and Pat, we are so very sorry for your loss. In the 90s, Pat contacted Dr. Timothy Barrett, the only known doctor affiliated with this disease, and with Dr. Barrett's help, she was introduced to other Wolfram families. Pat is the administrator for the Wolfram Syndrome Family private Facebook page. She is passionate about education and supporting patients, families, and caregivers affected by Wolfram Syndrome. She offers valuable insight and resources and connects others who live with this rare disease. She is committed to growing the patient advocacy community, which currently includes over 385 families. Pat is, and Lauren was, a strong advocate for Wolfram Syndrome and have spoken at several Wolfram Syndrome fundraisers to help raise money and research for the ultimate cure. Welcome, Pat. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, Pat. We're thrilled to have you. So we're gonna talk about Wolfram Syndrome, a rare disease, which is difficult to diagnose and includes diabetes, optic nerve atrophy, vision loss, deafness, loss of taste and smell, and urinary and bladder dysfunction. Our co-host and my dear friend, Kathy Gildenhorn, was diagnosed with a mild adult onset variant of this neurodegenerative disease. Thank you, Beth. Pat, let's discuss Wolfram from your perspective as an advocate and as a parent. Again, we are so sorry for the loss of your daughter, Lauren. Today, we will focus on your amazing and important work as patient advocacy liaison for the Snow Foundation for Wolfram Syndrome Research. So let's start with the basics. How would you describe Wolfram Syndrome? Well, again, thank you for having me. I appreciate anything spreading word about Wolfram Syndrome. Um, Wolfram syndrome is a neurological uh, disease that affects many parts of the bodies, as you just discussed, and at this time, there is no cure for it. Um, One of the things we have learned, though, 
since the beginning is that there are different forms of Wolfram syndrome and many different mutations. Therefore, there's a wide variety of things that can affect or not affect each individual person. Well, take us please on your family's Wolfram journey. How old was your daughter when you noticed something was different? Well, she developed type 1 diabetes when she was two years old. And we thought that was a big deal. <laughs> and then um, when she was five years old, um, she started having a little bit of vision problems, but glasses run in our family, so I wasn't surprised at that. And then when she was about seven, she started having a little bit of hearing problems. So I was sent to a specialist and he performed many tests and he had what I call the Dr. God syndrome because you did not question him and everything he said was correct. And um, I ended up walking out of his office. I was so furious at what he said to me. So that started our real big journey into it. But we kind of just let things flow along until she was 12 years old and I received a call from school and um, they said that her vision had decreased and she needed you know, more vision tests done. And so I was shocked because I had just taken her to the eye doctor a month ago. And her vision had been 2040 at that time. And in the month's time had changed to 2200. And that's when we started digging in to what the problem was. Oh, what a drastic, that's a drastic change. It is. Was there any family history of this rare disease? No, none. Huh, so you had heard of this disease before? You'd never? No. There is no family history? There is no family history. There is no family history. And had you ever heard of this syndrome? No, not at all. And so what was your response? when you heard the news? Well, it started out just like everybody else. Uh, my endocrinologist was unsure of what was going on also, and he ordered an MRI. And he told me that it would either be a brain tumor or Wolfram syndrome. And of course, as a mother with a 12-year-old, all you think of is brain tumor. And he had this on a, on a Thursday, we did the test and he said we'd have the results on Friday. Well, I sat at my mom's house all day long on pins and needles waiting for the phone to ring. And by 4.30, it had not rang and I called the doctor's office and said, look, I cannot go the whole weekend without knowing whether she has a brain tumor or not. Without knowing. Yeah. So um, they got back to me and said, no, it was not a brain tumor, 
but they suspected it to be Wolfram syndrome and I would need genetic testing. We did do that and um, no one was researching Wolfram syndrome in the United States. So they actually had to send our blood samples over to Germany and it took three months to get the results back. And after three months, it was determined that she had Wolfram, Wolfram syndrome. And at this point, your daughter was how old? 12 years old. She was 12. So I guess at the point of diagnosis, she really didn't understand what was happening. I would imagine a 12 year old. No, she did not. Um, we just kind of lightly told her that she had a condition that would cause some problems. And basically we would tell her about the problems when they occurred and we discuss it then. And so that's how we ended up handling the disease all the way through. So it's not to overwhelm her. Correct. Well, I guess that helped her cope uh, with the many aspects of, of this disease. Yes. Yes, it did. Pat, I would like to change gears a little and talk about your work with the Snow Foundation for Wolfram Syndrome Research, because you must feel so empowered by your work building and maintaining the foundation's website and the family private uh, family Facebook private support group. How did your daughter feel about all your work on her and Wolfram's behalf? I can say from firsthand experience as a patient of a milder form of Wolfram, your work is a source of strength, hope, and healing. Did it bring any comfort to you, your daughter, and your family? Well, it did in some ways. Um, I was just, Lauren was very proud of me for my work and her and I discussed Wolfram's all the time. And I would tell her when there were new patients and what, where they were located and what their symptoms were. And we grew up with this bond over Wolfram syndrome. And, um, she was very proud of me as I was of her for any advocacy there was with Wolfram syndrome. And then how did you get started with the Snow Foundation um, for Wolfram Research? And how did you meet the foundation's founder, Stephanie Snow Gebel? Okay, that was a little bit of a longer story, but Stephanie's um, daughter was diagnosed in our year of our second clinic, of which at the time the funding had fallen through for. And we were devastated because it took us so long to get to that point. And um, so she, I was introduced to her in our group and she said she could raise the money for our second clinic. And so here I was chasing after her and she thought I was some crazy lady 
because I kept saying, you have to become a 501c3. Our organization has to be a 501c3. And can you get that? Can you make that happen? And that was because I was trying to get us into Nord at the time. And um, it cost $15,000 to get into Nord. And I didn't have that kind of money. So I was hoping that along with her raising money for our clinic, that she would also be able to raise money to become a foundation and get us in to Nord. So Pat, just as an aside, that Nord is the um, rare disease community, just for our listeners. Nord is the National Organization for Rare Diseases. Right. Now, was there, when you got started getting involved with Stephanie and the Snow Foundation, was there a void that you were hoping to fill? What was it? What was that void? Uh, the void was research. I mean, that was the whole thing. I mean, I, I had done all I could up to that point. And after that point, we were wanting research to start. And so that was those clinics that we started with. That was our very beginning of the clinics and our hope for research and ultimately a cure. Um, were there any resources that helped you get started in your work with Snow in forming the website or in forming the Facebook page? What helped you, um, like a form or an idea of what needed to be, got, be done? And um, have things changed at all between now and then? Is there more available now than there used to be? Um, what's the lay of the land? Oh, in the beginning, it was awful. It really was almost at the inception of the Internet itself. So I was just learning the Internet, and um, I would look at any article at all I could find on Wolfram Syndrome. And really, the only big main interview was done by a woman who this was a totally bleak, bleak letter she wrote and basically said, if you have Wolfram Syn Syndrome, be prepared to die soon. So it was very hard to read that kind of stuff. And I was determined that I needed to do more. And so that's when I started really digging into it. And I would read any research paper I could find and any doctor I could find, I would contact. And I would leave threads on certain uh, pages of, if you've heard of Wolfram Syndrome, contact me. And of which I did have one, one young man, he was from Switzerland and he found one of those threads and contacted me and we've become very good friends. So um, that, that was just one of the things that I did in the beginning to get started. So one way that you met other families with Wolfram was through the internet. Were there other ways that you met other families? Well, not in the beginning and 
until our clinic came that we met face to face, but you're, you're talking, um, 10 years later. Um, is that right? 12, 12 yeah. Um, then we saw each other face to face, but otherwise, yes, it was all done through the internet and there wasn't anything like FaceTime back then. So you never saw each other. Um, and so you always built up this picture in your mind of what the person looked like and rarely was it true. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that was beginning of the start and boy, let me tell you, I know from our core group that we started with, we just relied on each other so much and, um, it was each one of us that could get um, through it through other people. In the beginning, how big was the core group? Oh, gosh. In the beginning, it was only like 15 families. Really? Wow. Yes. Yes. And um, I... I you really have built it all from nothing. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um... it, well, it sounds like, I mean, you're talking about the beginning of the internet, you know, that you started at the beginning of the internet when you started um, trying to create connectivity between families. So what was it like setting up the website and the Facebook support group? Well, it was, it was, um, it was challenging and, um, but I was, we were ready at that point in time to really expand and our goal was to be international. So that moved it from, I did have international people, but they weren't really involved, um, and so that was my goal was to get an international group started so that everyone could hear the same information at the same time on, on whether it was new things out on Wolfram syndrome or research being done in a certain part of the countries or anything new. We all heard it together. So would you say that was your biggest success? was getting families together to hear everything at the same time. Yes, it, it, it was one of my main successes because I was very pleased with that. But um, I don't know if we can go back to the beginning. I'm, I'm not certain, I'm, I don't have my notes in front of me. So um, where it comes from, um, I met Dr. Barrett and Dr. Barrett had given me a name of someone in the United States that had uh, Wolfram syndrome, but he didn't know where they were located. And so um, he gave me the last name of Birkinshaw. And so I um, just opened up a phone book, which back then that's what we had was phone books. And 
I started calling every Birkinshaw in the country that I could find. And I would just say, have you, have you ever heard of Wolfram syndrome? And if they said no, I said, well, thank you and hung up. And I continued to do this until I finally met Rob Birkinshaw in Utah, who definitely had heard of Wolfram syndrome. And he was, I was the first person he knew of in the United States. And he had gone through Dr. Barrett also at the beginning. Um, but he ended up having eight children and five of the eight had Wolfram syndrome. And unfortunately now all five have passed. But Rob was a very, very motivating person, very religious and just I would run home from work and get on my computer right away to see if I'd gotten an email from him. And so we talked about how we could possibly find other people. And that's when he said, well, we could build a web page. And I said, I don't know how to do a web page. And he said, well, I do. And I go, well, I have all the research to put on that web page because I had contacted so many doctors and things like that. So Rob and I started the very first uh, patient support group. And um, it, it was good. It, it started with um, just having someone understand what you're going through. And like I said, there was really nothing on the internet that was of any use as far as knowing research. So, um, having him and then others soon to join us, um, was very satisfying. Um, the, the second person I found was Vicki Pagan in, in Florida. And she had the story of her son, Nick, who was five and was diagnosed with Wolfram syndrome. Of course, at the time she didn't know it and he developed what Lauren also did, um, which was diabetes insipidus. And so Nick was constantly drinking and the doctor told her to curb his drinking patterns. And so she um, kept water out of his sight line. But then one day she went into the bathroom and she found him drinking out of the toilet. So that was her first knowledge of Wolfram syndrome and knowing what diabetes insipidus meant. And she felt horrible for, you know, restricting his water, but we didn't know at that time. And so um, there were two other girls, um, Laurie Strazero and Sue Mooney, who the four of us became very, very close. And so like the year after we met, um, we decided we wanted to meet. And Vicki at that time lived in Florida. I mean, I'm sorry, New York. And Loria lived in Boston and Sue lived in Maine. So everybody was out there on the East Coast. <clears throat> and so I was going to fly into New York and Vicki was gonna pick me up and then we were gonna meet Sue and Loria in Connecticut. And um, my husband thought I was crazy for 
getting on a plane and going out and meeting people I had no knowledge of. And I was really worried because I didn't know what anybody looked like. And I said to Vicki, you know, New York airport is huge. How am I going to be able to find you? And she said, uh, you'll find me, you'll find me. And so I got off the plane and I went walking down and towards where our luggage was. And I see this gal holding this big sign saying, I'm looking for the Wicked Witch from Nebraska. And so <laughs> that was our first meeting. <laughs> and uh, the four of us became very fast friends. And since then, we had been meeting each other like once every other year. We would uh, then fly down to Florida and stay at Vicky's house for a week. So we became very, very close friends. I call them my sisters. You know, Pat, I, my heart goes out to you. You have endured the hardest challenge any person can face losing a child. And your resilience and your ability to find uh, peace and uh, a full life is incredibly inspiring. I am really taken aback by your courage and your resilience. And I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. You're setting a wonderful example for all of us, for Kathy and me and for our listeners. Leading by example is the best way to teach others. And I, uh, I know that your heart will always be broken, but the fact that you are giving so much back to your community is really uh, a terrific thing that you're doing. And your story has just been so inspiring. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story and being a guest with us today. Thank you so much, Pat. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. That's ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact forum on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. Again, that's ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would also really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating review on your podcast app, probably Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenges community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. Steve Holsenbach is our media engineer and co-producer. Myself, Kier Deneen from DNA Today, is our marketing lead and co-producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone and neither are you.
Excellent. Wow, Pat. Thank